good? I think so. You got it? Okay. Oh, it's on. It's on. Yeah. There we go. How's that? Is that better? Okay. All right. Well, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6 tonight. Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be studying verses 7 through 15. Um, so a little bit before the Lord's Prayer as, as well, just um, giving a little context. Um, so yeah, I'll go ahead and read that for us, and then we'll jump into that. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you forgive your trespasses. So, as we read through this text, there's something we've got to address right out the gate. If some of you have been using the KJV, you'll notice I skipped something. Um, that there was, there was a, a portion of this missing. Um, and I wanted to address that right out the gate because, um, one, it's important. If something is, is in the Bible, we never want to skip over it. We want to honor every part of God's word. Um, but there's a reason that the ESV text, which I'm reading from, doesn't have that in there. And that's because um, the manuscripts, the oldest manuscripts we have, don't have that section in their text. Um, and st what we do with that, is we recognize that this um, addition that's in the KJV, it's been there for a very long time. It's been there um, in ancient manuscripts that are still ancient, not the most, most ancient, but are still very old and, and very respected, and they have a very respected tradition, um, a respected place in church tradition. Um, some, some of the theories of, of what that is is it might have been a sort of doxology at the end of the Lord's Prayer, um, something that the church commonly said afterward um, so that it just it became um, a common part that was just so closely associated with the Lord's Prayer. It was almost inseparable. Um, but the earliest manuscripts we have don't have that in there. And so while we want to honor and respect that as a, as a very beautiful and great part of church tradition, we want to acknowledge as well um, that that's not in the most ancient manuscripts. So I won't be dealing with that directly tonight, um, but I wanted to get that out of the way um, very early because that's important, and we don't want to skip over any portion of Scripture ever <laughs> because it's all important. So as we're going through that, um, I wanted to, wanted to address that and then just kind of walk through our text here, beginning with verse 7, um, verses 7 through 9, which are our introductory section, where Jesus says, And when you pray... Do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. 
And if you'll notice, um, in verse 5, Jesus has already said this statement before. He's already said, and when you pray. So this is a continuation of what he's been talking about earlier. He's teaching about prayer using specific examples. When in verse 5, he was talking about don't be like the hypocrites. In verse 7 here, he's talking about don't be like the Gentiles. And specifically, what he's talking about this is is the empty phrases that they use. Um, They would try to get their gods to hear them in specific ways. And the specific ways Jesus is referring to is the the empty phrases. They would add all these eloquent words um, and just make their prayers really long or something like that. And they thought that if they did this, maybe if their prayer was more impressive, maybe if their prayer showed much more dedication or some sort of like religious vigor, um, that their God would hear them and say, oh, well, this guy really likes me. This guy is really dedicated to, to serving me. I think I'll answer his prayer. And Jesus wants um, his disciples, wants those listening to him to to understand, that is not how the Christian God works at all. He doesn't hear our prayers because of how good our prayers are. He doesn't hear our prayers because of how how we pray, per se, um, adding all these eloquent words, um, trying to make our prayers as impressive as possible. Um, Instead, he teaches them to pray to their Father in heaven. And that's something that Jesus emphasizes over and over and over again. There's something that's different about the Christian God. There's something different about the God of Jacob, um, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, um, because he is the heavenly Father. Uh, He has a, a special relationship with his children, a special relationship with people in creation that's different from these Gentile gods. And so when Christians pray, we're not to pray like the Gentiles. We're not to pray um, like we're praying to a Gentile God because our God is different. Uh, and he wants really to, to point, them, point that out to them. And so he goes on in verse, verse 8 to explain how um, our God is different. He says that do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask him. These Gentile gods that aren't even gods had no idea what these people were going to to say beforehand, what they were going to request, but Jesus wants them to know that our God already knows. He already knows what we need. We're not telling him something he doesn't know. We're not trying to manipulate him into doing something he didn't know needs to be done. And so Jesus wants them to understand that God is, is someone who is omniscient, all-knowing. He already knows their needs, and he cares about them deeply as a father. And that's something he continues to emphasize um, again and again. He wants them to understand that our God is a God that cares about us as a father does. This was something that was very unique to Jesus. It's not something that's unique in um, the Old Testament, the idea of God as a father. But Jesus really emphasizes it more than anyone else did before him. Um, He wants them to understand that God really cares about them as a father does. And so part of how um, he wants them to understand that is that there's no need for them to try to manipulate God. There's no need for them to try and 
um, heap up all these phrases and really try to think, well, maybe God will hear me if I do this. Maybe God will answer my prayer if I do this. It's like that's, that's not even a thought that should enter our minds. Um, we already know God knows our needs. We already know that God cares because he is our father, because he has a special relationship with us. And so Jesus wants to just right out the gate before he gives his model prayer, explain to them that we have a different God who cares about us differently, and because of that, we pray for different reasons. We're not praying to manipulate God. We're praying because of this relationship we have with God. And it's fostering that, it's building that, and most importantly, it expresses our reliance upon God. It expresses our reliance upon God. And so before we get into Jesus' model prayer, um, I think it's, it's really interesting thinking through the specific needs that Jesus himself picks out um, in, in this prayer. He um, gives several examples of, of things to pray for, ways to pray, um, and each of them kind of, kind of are hitting on different needs. So let's look, at, let's look in verse 9, um, verses 9 through 13 at the, the model prayer, and list out what are some of, the, some of the needs that Jesus tells them to pray for. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, all of those, all of those are great examples. Um, he goes through a lot of a lot of different things, and I think Jordan, the one the one you mentioned first, um, is something that's that's really interesting. Um, because as I was reading and, and doing some more studying for this, it's interesting because this prayer, the model prayer that Jesus uses, already had a tradition in Jewish prayers. They had um, prayers that they would pray all the time, kind of um, more um, just like model prayers that they had. And this one is very similar to an earlier Jewish prayer. However, Jesus does something with it to teach them about how to pray. Um, So I want to read this for you, um, this Jewish prayer. It goes, Exalted and hallowed be his great name in the world which he created according to his will. May he establish his kingdom in your lifetime and in your days and in the lifetime of the whole household of Israel speedily and at a near time and say, Amen. But Jesus doesn't stop there. Jesus adds something at the end. He adds something in in verse 12 saying, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And that's very interesting because Jesus explains why he does this. At the end in verse 14, he says, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, Neither will your, your father forgive your trespasses. And so I think it's very interesting that Jesus highlights that. He, he wants them to, um, first of all, understand that he's instructed this or kind of added this to a prayer they already understand because he wants it to, um, to stand out. He wants them to understand this is something that's really important 
to what I'm trying to teach you right now. And then he explains why he adds it. Um, and he wants them, first of all, to understand um, that forgiveness is something that's very important to the Christian type of prayer and to the Christian um, identity. Um, he calls for them to be like their Father in heaven. He calls for them to be like God and to not hold on to offenses, to rely on God. Um, <clears throat> but as well, one thing that I think is, is very interesting, if we think about this specifically, um, is that unless we are perfectly forgiving, we have no right to be forgiven. Jesus says in verse 15, but if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And so that leaves us with a problem because all of us know that we have not been perfectly forgiving in all situations. We, we have all, um, at some point, uh, not forgiven those um, as we have been forgiven by God. And so <clears throat> that leaving us with a, with a big problem, um, it's, it's really difficult to think about. Well, what do we do with that? Um, how do we do, it, do that? And I think that this is something that is very encouraging for us as we think about the gospel, as we think about the gospel. Um, turn, turn with me, if you will, to Luke chapter 23, verse 34. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots, divide, um, and they cast lots to divide his garments. And so it's, it's very interesting that Jesus himself, um, at the end of his life, emphasizes forgiveness. Um, forgiveness that we did not deserve. Um, being ignorant is not a condition for forgiveness. It's not, it's not something that someone deserves to be forgiven because they were ignorant of the crime they committed. However, Jesus still says that. He still says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And it's a real encouragement to us to see that our model, the one who gives us the model prayer, Christ, was perfectly forgiving. And that God extends forgiveness to us through Christ. Because Christ was one who is perfectly forgiving, and because God has given us the righteousness of Christ, has credited Christ's righteousness to our account, in God's eyes, we are people who are perfectly forgiving, just as Christ was perfectly forgiving. And that's something that's really encouraging to us as Christians, because um, through that, we experience the forgiveness of God. Through that, we experience God's mercy and God's love. And so because of that, um, we can experience that forgiveness from God. And so that's, that's what I prepared for tonight. I, um, yeah, I didn't think it would be this short. <laughs> um, but it was. So um, I'm going to close this in prayer. And yeah. <laughs> All right. Dear Father, thank you for this night. Thank you for allowing us to study on your word and um, to 
think about how Christ um, is our model and our example and how he has uh, taught us how to pray, how he has uh, provided forgiveness for us through his work on the cross, um, through his life, through living righteously uh, in our place. Lord, I pray that you would forgive us, Father, uh, and that you would treat us, Father, as um, Christ um, deserves to be treated, Father, and not according to our own account, Lord, but according to the righteousness of Christ that he has given to us um, through faith in him. So, Lord, we pray that your will would be done, that your kingdom would come, uh, that your will will be done on earth here as it is in heaven. Uh, We pray that you would provide for us uh, what we need for each day. We pray, Lord, that you would just continue to be with us. Um, Lord, that you would continue to forgive us, um, that you would help us when temptation comes, protect us from the evil one. Lord, because we know that yours is the kingdom, we know that yours is the glory forever and ever, um, and we thank you for that. And so, Father, we thank you again and again, um, and pray that you would um, bless us tonight. Uh, It's in your name we pray. Amen.